It's Sister Chat time. I hope you have got yourself buckled in because you just never know where this conversation can go. You are here with your co-hosts, Fiona Daly and Courtney Passfield, and we are so excited to bring you another Sister Chat. Stay tuned. Okay, so today's conversation, I am rolling solo today. So normally I would have my trusty steed Fiona with me, but today I am by myself. So little does Fiona know that, you know, when she's not here, I make my own rules up. And I thought of this as I was driving, um, not over the speed limit, as I was rushing home from a child appointment. And I thought, you know what, this conversation, the person I'm speaking to today, it's just going to go instead of the sister chat that we would normally do every Friday. So congratulations, Fiona. You're now hearing what my plan is and she can just see it when it happens, to be (laughs) honest. Uh, But Kira, I'm welcoming you back again. You know what, sister's from another mister, right? Like, let's have a sister chat because we love to have a conversation. And I don't know how many times we've had conversations with you, but I just love that, you know, it's like, hey, how you doing? Cool. How are you doing? actually and that's where our relationship (laughs) is and I think that's what makes this conversation so beautiful so instead of this conversation coming out in like February when it was supposed to I'm like nah it's coming out this week we're doing it now we're making it happen so uh welcome back to the podcast again Mm, thank you it's favorite part of my year so far it's like (laughs) these well, I think they're becoming quarterly, so we're going to yep. have to continue this in our yep. 2023 yep. relationships because it is it is truly like one of those moments where I see that we're going to chat and I go, oh, okay, shit's going to get real mm-hmm. in a way that is so safe and where all of us are putting out our real selves. And I yep. love it. And I love that that continues to be your voice through your podcast and I get to be a part of it. And we, d- we do get to share it because it's kind of like, I think... You know, with Kira, we've always talked about shame. And when I was driving, I was like, crap, shame in what? Because, you know, we've been talked about shame in parenting and shame in this and shame in, you know, like all these different broken down things. And then today I was just like, you know what? We're fucking saying shame in life because that's where we're at. And today you and I are going to have a conversation about where we are in our lives. And there'll be so many women, mums, you know, even husbands, fathers that will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. Or Mm -hmm. my wife has brought that up. And so I think that's where this conversation brings out the realness because we have nothing to hide before like behind because it's our shame that we're normally hiding behind and so having this conversation is where it comes from yeah so absolutely and starting to normalize I think the fact that we like you said we know it's there but when we've talked talked about it before we're talking about it almost like a distance like we go deep but it's like no this is how it shows up in our our day-to-day life not just this one topic or this umbrella which is nice yeah and I think you know for me you know we have this podcast and it's all about getting better and doing the work and all this stuff and I know like in your role like this is what you do right so there's also (laughs) this like shame in like when when things just fully screw up and you're like wow this isn't the person that I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be. I'm supposed to be the one that helps the other people. Like I'm not the one that Mm -hmm. be the parent that I don't want to be, you know, like for instance, in our household, so the kids are going off to prep next year, which is really exciting. The twins are off to prep and that's so good. Um, And so that conversation has been stirring up quite a bit in our household, which is beautiful. They're loving it. They can't wait to go to school. And I've noticed just in the last couple of weeks, like, 
these kids, man, like they've been like questioning everyone, every little bit of my ability. Like I have been the mm. person that I have not wanted to be, the parent I have not wanted to be, even to the fact that mm-hmm. um, I heard somebody, so we live just out of town and somebody was unloading something at one of our sheds the other day and I had just finished yelling at the kids, right? Like, like it was just that moment, like I had just blown up and then I hear this noise that somebody's over in our shed unloading stuff. And I remember, I, and I messaged Jake and I was like, who is that to start with? Because I am so fucking embarrassed right now. Like I, and you know, when like that moment you've been caught, I mean, they didn't say anything, but when you've been caught, like, you know, like the parent you don't want to mm-hmm. be. And then like, you could have been caught. And I was like, best, I was like, who is this? I don't know who it is. And I have just finished yelling at the kids. And then I heard the noise. Like I was just <laughs> so embarrassed. And he was like, I'm so sorry. Like I didn't tell you. And I was like, well, also at the same time, like, that's just my own shame coming up, right? Like I can't blame mm-hmm. this on Jake not telling me. You know what I mean? Like I I was luckily right. enough in the headspace that I was like, well, it's not his fault that I've just yelled at the kids and I've just been the parent that I don't want to be. So I think even just showing that it still right. shows up for us, right? Well, and even in that instance, the shame was really about the fact that you – you didn't show up the way that you wanted to. That that was the part that's like, you would actually, you could feel guilty about that. Guilt being this very productive thing of like, gosh, that wasn't who I wanted to be. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to figure out how to be better. But obviously we've talked about this. We both struggle where it doesn't often go the guilt route. It goes the shame route where it's like, see, this is proof. I'm a shit parent. I'm terrible. I'm failing at everything. I'm supposed to be able to handle this. And then the instant somebody else goes into that circle of knowing it feels like the whole world got an announcement like now everyone's gonna know it's true and i can't talk myself out of that everyone's gonna know i'm a shitty parent everyone's gonna know that i can't keep my temper whatever it is and so it feels like well if it was just me knowing i'd still feel shame but maybe i could perform enough and like no one else would know so i could keep this dirty little secret which is all shame is Mm mm-hmm it was the fact that I got caught and I don't even know if I got caught. I don't yeah, actually yeah. mean like whether I did or not, but like the fact that I got caught, I was like, whoa. I mean, yeah. did it make me go, right, okay, everyone, we're going inside. We're putting the aircon on. <laughs> we're putting on a Christmas movie and I'm going to sit down with you guys and we are just going to give each other a little grace right now. Like was it that switch that made me go, fuck? Yes, it was definitely, mm-hmm. but it was the fact that I got caught. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would be so much easier because we're living under this belief that we are the world's worst person, mm. that we do suck, that we are the bad parent. We are all these things. So when we do something that reinforces it, it doesn't feel good, but there was no like reveal to anybody else. It's like, okay, see, I knew that you got to tighten it up. Mm. hide it better do it better but then when somebody else finds out it's like well shit my whole system's gone they're all you know imposter syndrome through the roof like everyone's gonna know and it won't just be you as a mom it'll be you in your profession it'll be you as like i think about like cooking even just for it's like they're gonna think i'm a bad cook they're gonna think i'm this they're gonna think i'm bad at this i don't know how to manage my household they're gonna you know all these things the laundry list starts to just kind of go faster than your eyes can follow it. And it's like, what else am I going to get caught in? And how else am I going to have to either explain myself 
or where am I going to be rejected? Because you can't come back from that. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's, you know, like even, so that was on Monday and then on Sunday afternoon, we, it was like, we've all been really busy and all week I was like, right, on Sunday afternoon, we're going to put the air cons on, we're going to put a Christmas movie on and we're going to like decorate the tree. Like in my head, I had this like amazing moments planned out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like those, it was just going to be like mm-hmm. a highlight reel. It was going to be amazing. Jake and yeah. I spent the whole time, if we weren't like yelling or like we were looking at each other like, what the fuck is going on here? Like is mm-hmm. there a circus that we were invited, like that we didn't know about? Like we were just like, where is these thought patterns? What? Is, like we were just like looking at each other like completely dumbfounded. And so I think like in my head I already had this like, but this was not how it was meant to be. This was our only family time. Right. Like we haven't spent any time together as a family all week and I had a lot of this perfect time and it was going to be magical mm-hmm. and it wasn't freaking magical. And so I was think I was already on this like train and then, and then, and then Monday morning happened and I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, I think that like what you we just went to the coast last week for a couple of days and we were just there from Tuesday to Thursday. So it was a really short trip. Everly is still navigating. She's like week three of a cough post getting her fourth cold. So it's, you know, been like seven weeks of just like a shit show of one physical symptom after another and her cough is like triggering a gag reflex. So like on the drive up, we had like stopped and we did this children's museum and we got lunch at this really fun place. And she got to get a, a special coffee steamer because, you know, she feels fancy when she gets this steamed milk thing. She's like her parents. Apparently too much dairy. We're like five minutes into the car ride to the rest of the way to like go. She vomits all over the car. She's like doesn't nap in the car. The rest of the day is just off. Like going into the next day, it doesn't feel great. And I was like, this was supposed to be a mini vacation. And Jordan's like, I think we should talk about the difference between trips and vacation Mm. and expectation and reality. And I was like, I'm not ready yet because I'm still like kind of grieving the fact that everything similar to you, like. I had built out in my head what these two, this 48 hours was going to look like for us. And then it didn't. And then you're like micro attuned to all of the ways that you somehow missed something or screwed it up or how, if you could have just done this, then maybe it would have been better. And if you had responded this way, and I constantly find myself doing that at the end of it, where even if it is truly Everly is just having a day because she's a kid and that's what kids do. And I was listening to Jerry Seinfeld this morning in an interview where he talked about kids are like leasing a car and every six months you get a new one because their personalities are constantly changing. So even if it's that, like even if it's just she's off, it's whatever, I will still find a way that I have somehow screwed it up. Mm -hmm. And it is that differentiation between perception and reality or intention and plan and the idea of what something could be versus what it is. And I think we're all just wanting those moments. We want to craft those opportunities and shame hopes that we get stuck there. It hopes that we chase perfection because the instant it doesn't happen because it never happens, then we get bogged down in the shame spiral. And then you miss the other moments. You miss the joy in the chaos. You miss the laughter when your kids are being completely ridiculous 
And then you get angry, you get pissed, you shut down. And now you've got even more data to back it up later tonight when you replay that series and say how you fucked it up even more. And I think it's even like, I don't know, something that I'm trying to give grace for, right? The grace is my word. Like some days I'm like, right, give yourself grace today, Courtney. It's just forgetting that their little minds go through overwhelm too. You know, like I struggle with overwhelm and don't know how to always regulate my feelings. They do too. Like we forget that we do everything for them, that that is the one thing we can't do for them is regulate their overwhelm. Right. But like I do everything for you. So what do you have to be overwhelmed about and how does this happen? But like (laughs) that's right, you're human and you need to learn Mm -hmm. this. And at this stage, this is what looks like. And to be honest, even as a grown-ass adult, my tantrums looked nearly exactly the same at the start of this week yeah and but i i think that's such an important piece like everly doesn't need me to be perfect she needs me to show her that emotions are okay and then complete the cycle that's the part i think that we forget Mm. is like i definitely have moments i am not my best i have had i don't know probably at least seven to ten in the last couple of days that i can think of where i am like fully stuck on the shame train around them She doesn't need me to know exactly what to say, though. She needs me to be able to, when it is like a tantrum or just I'm reactive, move through it, not get like backlogged in the shame that I'm feeling that way. But instead of being like, look, I am having some sort of a reactive response. And I think full blown, I had a tantrum like two weeks ago and she was yelling about something and she was on the toilet and I was done with it. And I picked her up and I moved her off and I set her down in a room and I was like, I'm done. I need a break. And then. I left the room and immediately I was like, oh my gosh, should I have picked her up? Was that bad? Did I pick her up too hard? Did I, did I abuse her? I made a whole case that like you could call CPS when all I did was literally bear hug her, like give her a loving hug, say we're done in here. I need a break. And it, but it's the idea of then coming back and being like, Ooh, I did that. You're going to do that. You did do it also we're all okay. We're all figuring it out. And when we can't get past our shame, I think sometimes we give our kids a little bit more of that grace. Like we write it off, like they are kids or they're going through something or they're learning, but we forget that reactivity is not something that gets conditioned out of us. And if we didn't learn how to regulate emotions in a healthy way, which we didn't as Mm -hmm. kids, we are learning that process now at the same time we're trying to teach it to our kids. And so we have to we have to be able to go through it fully, embarrassment and all, and be like, well, that that sucked. Yep, I definitely yelled at you. I screamed. That was that sucked. That wasn't okay. And that was mom reacting because mom didn't regulate when my body was signaling that I needed to. And I can, I'm sure you can appreciate that. And oh. starting to make that the normal conversation. And yeah, I, I definitely forget to have that conversation. And I think, you know. I forget that I need to start having that conversation now. Like, but I, in my head, I'm like, oh, that's too big of a conversation. Like they won't get that until later in life. So no, like that needs to happen. Like I get changing the words and the way you talk about it, but like, right. Right. But like it needs to happen now so that they know that mommy's doing her best. Do you know what I really find? It's just something that while you're speaking there, it really came to my head. I have this like weird I don't know, don't know if I wouldn't call it like part manipulative at the same time, which I know sounds like proper nasty, but I go through this false sense, like when I'm fully overwhelmed, I go through this like false sense of kindness where I'm like, 
I have like false mm. calmness where like everything's just burning inside me. But I'm like, now, now, mum has said this. Now, now, mum has said that. Like I would look like an absolute fucking psych- psychopath. Like if you saw me, you'd just be like, <laughs> yeah, I don't trust you because what your energy is giving off and what the words are coming out of your head. And I'm like, no, 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 mm. no. And it's just like, like, like I'm like a ticking time bomb. I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I just go, rah. Like it's just like from mm-hmm. one point to another and I'm like, Bam, like I just explode. Yeah. Well, I do that too. I am like the queen of passive communication and gentle parenting until I'm not. Mm. And and I like gentle parenting is like a strategy for how I talk to anybody, not just my two and a half year old. But it's very much that like all about kindness and all about this and then I'll lose it. And then my sort of reactivity is I like drop kick you with a passive aggressive comment and then just like walk away. And I'm a little bit better about it with Everly, but, but like not, not leaps and bounds. Like I'd like to lie and say that I am like, I still struggle with that. And I think the part of it is because in the moments where we put on the performance, we're telling ourselves, you should be able to handle this. You need to get through this. You need to like stop being frustrated. If you can just get through this thing, it'll be fine. Sometimes it's even my ego where it's like, I'm going to get her to do this thing that I'm trying to tell her we're going to do and we're going to get through it. And I'm going to be the person that can do it instead of just being like, I can't handle it. I'm not okay. I need space. And I think what I'm trying to remind myself is that kids create in us this sense of urgency and we stop pausing when we need to pause. So I watched this. She had a play date with somebody the other day, and this parent, she's incredible at it. Like things, she could you could see it. We were both sitting there, moms watching these kids play. Her seven year old did something. It was very clear that she was going to hurt her shins. She was going to slide down the slide. She had set it up in a way she wasn't listening to her mom. She's kind of all over the place. She was definitely going to get hurt. Not like bad, but like yeah. she's going to bump her shin. She's probably going to cry. It wasn't going to feel good. And her mom didn't say anything. And later I was like, how did you not say anything? And she's like, because me saying something only creates a fight that I don't have the energy to have. She'll be okay. But I, this sort of like feeling like we've constantly got to say something and help them and move through something. She's like, you just, I've learned I can't do that and be the mom I want to be. So I have to make some decisions about when to cut out early. And I was like, gosh, that's incredible. What if we just cut out early sometimes? Like, what if you had walked away the moment you started doing the sort of like dissociative response thing that you did, where you're kind of mm-hmm. pretending to be someone that's completely detached from who you are. What if you just said, this is my signal guys, you're safe. Don't do anything else. <laughs> I'm walking away. I'll come back when I'm ready. I just need a few minutes. And I get like, I get the yeah. saying, pick your fights, right? Like I pick your battles. Like that's an age old thing, but in the freaking moment, like you don't know which battle is one that you're picking. And, you know, we're so worried that like, right. we want them to be kind. We want them to be neat and tidy and we want them to be this and that and all of those sort of things. But, and not mess up my house because I've already cleaned it 45,000 times today. Yep. And yep. I know that that mess is still going to be there. But like, what if we just stopped and went, you know what? You need mm-hmm. to learn this your way. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we got to the stage where we're like, we can't handle the crying afterwards, so no. But the kids need to cry because they need to re- right. realise that that's a boundary. Like, as in, I hurt myself. I'm not, I mean, 
I'm not going to do that again in saying that. My kids will still punch each other because, you know, that's how they'll roll. (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, like, realizing, like, just as you were saying that, I was thinking about Everly gives me so many invitations to teach her things. And I think sometimes we have to realize, like, not every moment has to be the teachable moment where we talk about the hard thing and it goes the way that we want it to. And it ends with this sense of resolution. Like sometimes she has, she has this hard thing that she does right now where she kind of has this, whoever she's with, it's usually me. And then whoever comes into the room like if Jordan comes home from work or something, she'll like yell at him right away. She's like, no daddy go. Cause she like, there's this shift in the environment and she, that's hard for her right now. And she did it to me the other day where my mother-in-law picked her up from school. I had finished this huge, I gave a public speaking event. It was like 900 people. It was like, I was like reeling on adrenaline because it went so well. Like it was one of those events where like I ended it and I'm like, that was everything I wanted it to be. And I know I gave it my, my all. Like I left feeling so good. I walked downstairs because I had a few minutes before my next client right as they came home. And I was so excited just to hug her and like share in that energy. And the first thing she did was scream at me. She just started screaming. She wanted nothing to do with me. She wouldn't talk to me. And I just walked away and I was like, what you're doing hurts my feelings. I'm going to go. And I spent like the next two hours that I was in meetings thinking about like, well, why didn't she come upstairs to talk to me? My mother-in-law should have told her that that wasn't okay and made it a thing. Should I go back down there? Should I talk to her? Should I make sure that she knows that that was shitty and it doesn't feel good? I feel bad now. Should I have walked away? Was that bad parenting? Does she feel like on a loop? Mm. And then the reality is everything's fine. We can come back and talk about it later. It's also okay if sometimes that happens. I told her I felt, I set a boundary, we moved on. It didn't have to necessarily be a thing. And I think with our kids sometimes, but also with other things, it's like not every opportunity do we have to be discussing it, processing it, you know, grieving it, resolving it, whatever it is, like that is just too much. And so in that moment, like where you and Jake are just like looking at each other, like what, when did we go to the circus? Mm. You just take a breath and you're like, now we're in the circus. Yeah. What do I need to do right now to be okay, given this is the reality that I'm in? And how do I protect myself while still being the parent that has the values that I want to have for my kids? And that doesn't mean you have to teach them a lesson or get them back and like put on the magical moment. Because at that point, you're making it about you. Instead, you go, this is the reality of what I'm existing in. None of this defines me as a parent. It just means that sometimes circumstances go different than we want them to. How do I live and breathe in this moment and release the judgment I'm having of them and me of how we got here? And that's it, like of them and me. And I think I really want that to wash over everyone because I think that is so just so something that's so true. And how do I stop myself and still be the parent that I want to be? You know what I mean? Like what's more important? Mm -hmm. And you're so right. Like not every moment has to be the teachable moment. And I think – You know, we're so scared that they won't be polite or they won't be this or they won't be that. And so we're like just drilling them and drilling them and drilling them. But I know that I don't use my manners all of the time and it doesn't mean I'm being rude. It's more of the way that they ask rather than the way that they say please or thank you, isn't it? If, you know, if they were to come home and say, I want Mm -hmm. this, you'd be like, oh, hang on a minute. But if they're just like, hey, mummy, can I have this? You know, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's even just teaching them that, 
It's not always about what they say, but how they do it, right? Which, as you're saying it, I think comes back to the point that we're both struggling with, which is then realizing that sometimes we get so focused on what we need to say or what we want them to say or how we want things to go that we forget that the energy we are bringing into it is more of an effect on how they're viewing things and how they're going to process and what they're going to take away in life versus us being, you know, but I was just giving a talk on forgiveness and I was thinking about how we, I was like the full house generation of forgiveness, like hug it out, say, you're sorry, say it's okay, move on. Well, somebody telling you to say you're sorry is totally different from somebody developing empathy to recognize what it feels like to feel sorry. I don't want Everly to say sorry because she's supposed to. I don't want her to. I will never make her say I love you to somebody because they say it to her. So I have to consider then how do I live in the value of showing what it means to be sorry so that she can see that. But she also needs to experience what it's like to live in the value without it. Like your kids have to be shitheads sometimes. Mm. Like that has to happen. Like Everly is going to have to be the mean one at the playground sometimes to see what it's like when you're mean and how that makes people feel. I can't stop that real-time experimentation from happening. She's going to break stuff. She's going to ruin things. She's going to do things that she has to figure out what that looks like. My job isn't to stop it. My job is to be there once she's done it, to not judge her and shame her, but to talk about what that made her feel like and how she wants to move forward. As you're saying this, I'm thinking about all the times, like, say, in my life, you know, for example, I know that um, one time, you know, uh, let's put I was 18, just to to remember that, because the shame in me saying this story is not nice, but it still is something mm-hmm. that pops up in my head. Um, I was driving a friend's car and we wanted to see how fast it was going, and there was other people in the car with me. Um, now speeding freaks the fuck out of me like I'm like oh no oh no mm-hmm. and it quite often comes up to me I'm like that that could have not just affected me but that would have affected how many mm-hmm. other families like it's still something that comes up for me and so mm-hmm. now I don't like speeding kind of scares me like I'm like yeah no mm-hmm. that's that's where I feel comfortable like I'm I, I'm not like that's just a, a such a big no-no for me but it was because of that mm-hmm. experience and it wasn't at the time because at the time we thought it was cool and at the time it was funny and it's not until yep. now that it freaks the hell out of me. But I learnt from mm-hmm. that experience and I'm sure mm-hmm. every listener would be able to have something or some moment in their, in their life that they didn't realise it scared them at the time but now whether it's because they're older or because they're a parent or because of anything, they're like, yeah. wow, no way, like, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's that idea of like, we are emotional and experiential beings. We can't just develop systems and logic to make everything happening. And I feel that way even about, and I know I've said gentle parenting a couple of times. It's just like the sort of hit topic parenting trend for people right now, but there's constantly a new one. There's a new idea. And it's like, all of those things are great. But trying to memorize how you respond or how you talk through something or what it's going to look like is detaching you from being present in the experience. Then in that, and we're just going to use, you know, your Christmas event, call it as an example of like, instead of focusing on what happened or how it was going down, focus on the feelings. 
Mm. Focus on how you felt, how they felt, what was, what were your bodies and your emotional selves communicating and how do we respond to that experience? How do we see the beauty in that? How do we see the, the crappiness in it? So we also can learn from, you know, whatever we need to take away from that. And I think that's the part where, you know, there's, there's such big topics we're worried about. None of us want to be, and we were talking about this off, offline too, but I get so worried about Everly being perceived a certain way, like her being the mean kid the, or her doing something hurtful or wrong, which ultimately is because of my own shame of not wanting to be seen as a bad parent. Yeah, And I think that is the thing we have to check in about too, is like, you are more than what your kids do in the world. You have to anchor on your sense of self that you are doing your best and so are your kids. And when they screw it up, if you have to go to correct it or fix it or do something to make this better, you're not giving them the chance to be vulnerable and you are creating shame around that behavior. So whenever Lee did, you know, use her hands instead of use her words to move some kids out of the way, me talking to her about what's our new response plan? What are we going to do? How do we handle this at school? Anytime she doesn't do that, I am sort of shaming her with that instead of being like, oh, well, tell me what happened. How did it feel to push people out of the way? What do you think they felt like? I wonder what other ways we could communicate with people and just getting her excited to be exploring communication and connection rather than giving her the very specific demands on how she's supposed to do it. So mom gets an A in parenting. It's like asking the questions and letting them answer and experiment (laughs) with what we're Fuck, it's not hard. I know. (laughs) So hard. So I've just come back. So... I've just come back. My kids are having, seeing like um, an OT and a speech therapist and things like that at the moment. And so, you know, that's fun um, because it's like, cool, what are your kids good at? No, cool, what are your kids not so great at? And it's so (laughs) funny how different the twins are. And it is, I always have like from baby have always been like it is great having twins because you just don't compare because one was walking and one was talking and one was doing this and one was doing that so you know I didn't Mm -hmm. get a lot of comparing but then it's also really hard at this stage because I'm like well she does this but he does that and I don't know if what he's Mm -hmm. doing is really that bad but because she doesn't do it I don't know if it's normal or not and then with her she does this, so I don't know if it's that bad or it's just a different kid, but, like, I don't know. You know, like, there's just so much of that yeah. where it's kind of like trying to let them find their feet and not overanalyze or over-therapize. I don't have Fiona here to yeah, say the word. Yeah, that sounds right. It sounds right. I don't have Fiona like here it. to correct yep. me today. But, like, but also at the same time be like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, how can I – how can I support and ask the questions, but I'm not here to actually physically do the molding. Am I? I'm just here around the outer picking up the pieces, letting them mold themselves how they want to. Fuck. I love having these conversations, but man, it just really shows up. Doesn't it? Like where you're like, crap, you know, like what do we want of our kids? As in like, it's like, be loud enough to be heard, but don't be too loud. Be this, but don't be too that. But just right. be this. Like, it's kind of like, do we just want them to be nearly non-existent because, like, it's never perfect? Yeah. I mean, I think when I get out of my own way, my goal is that I want Everly 
to put goodness in the world to the best of her ability. And that goodness includes forgiveness and forgiveness means forgiving herself, forgiving other people for allowing us to get it wrong. And I think, you know, if we were to flip ourselves into those moments and think about our own childhoods, it wasn't the moments we were being told what to do or being yelled at or being scolded or getting in trouble. It was the moments when we actually felt seen that really helped us come into our own. It was the moments when somebody actually talked to us or wanted to understand how we did something. My grandma was always so good at that where anytime I would do anything, like she would never yell at me. She never yelled at me. She never, and granted, I moved in with her when I was 13. So some of the like different pieces and I was a highly perfectionistic human that was, you know, reeling off of the trauma of stuff with my mom. So I think my way of functioning was sort of ideal for a parent because I wasn't going out and doing the stuff that a lot of, you know, teens might be doing. But it was always like, well, help me understand why. Why, why do you want to do those things? Why did you do that? What did it feel like? What, what were you feeling that felt like that was the only thing that you could do? And I think I don't want Everly to become codependent. I don't want her to rely on me to be okay in the world. The only way I can do that is to not rely on her for my sense of self. I can't make her that. That's not fair to either one of us. I know. It's God. That is so true, isn't it? We cannot... (laughs) It's like, I want you to be so, you know, love yourself so much that you don't need validation from the world to know how wonderful, unique and (laughs) amazing and perfect you are just the way you are. Like that at the end of the day is the sense because that's what we want from our kids is just for them to love themselves so much that they they truly believe that they are amazing because they know it because they're perfect the way you are. But like also I'm not perfect enough unless you're perfect. So like get your shit together at the same time. Right. And realizing too, I mean, I think about this even in in relationships and when I do couples work, but thinking about a lot of the times where pain exists is in gaps in communication and filling it in with assumptions. And I think we do this with kids too, where it's like, you know, one partner has this beautiful romantic evening planned, or maybe they haven't had any chance to be intimate or sexual in months. And it's like this whole big thing and they're trying to do it. And then the other person comes home after a work shift where something really intense happened and they're so emotionally activated and they they aren't present. They aren't able to be engaged or they have to finish up something that they should have been able to finish at work, but all, you know, the course of their day went off. Them not being able to be present in what you planned doesn't mean that they're rejecting you. It doesn't mean that they don't want to do those things or that they don't enjoy being around you. It just means the circumstances in both of your life contexts look different. And so I think, you know, for somebody, if it again, like two people, one person wants to have sex, the other one doesn't, doesn't mean that they don't want to do that. It just means right now, it's not how they feel. And I think with our kids, we have to check in with the same thing. Just because you want your kids to be in a great mood right now and be excited about the tree and the Christmas movie that you did, that might not be the context of their life. So how do I give myself space to validate that I feel disappointed because that's important. You had something, you wanted something, you needed something and you didn't get it. And that sucks. And not putting their emotional self and their context of their life into yours in a way that then defines 
well, you did this wrong, or this was a shitty experience. It was just a different experience than what you had thought the day was going to look like. And in that time, not give some backhanded compliment that really just ties exactly. it all in a knot. And <laughs> right. Oh. Right. And that's where I think the like, sort of recognizing when you're reacting versus responding, because the reactive stuff is what we end up feeling shame about when you yell at them because you just you didn't take the time to breathe or you didn't kind of check out of it and go it's really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things like hundreds and thousands of nights if tonight we didn't get all the books put away it might not be worth the fight right now but we didn't do that so then we reacted and then we feel shame there's still an opportunity at times where we need to be assertive. We need to, there might need to be consequences. There might need to be hard conversations. You might still yell at some point, but there's a difference when it comes from a responsive place and we can't get there until we've moved through our feelings first, the anger, the disappointment, the sadness, then we can respond to what we actually want to say to them and what we need to recognize for them. Mm. Yes. God, that is so true. And I think, you know, like, and there, there's different things where places where shame comes up. And when I yell like that, that is just like fully shame. And I think for me, I remember being in their shoes and yep. it's like I'm staring at myself as a kid, right? And then mm-hmm. that shame comes up because it's like, you know what it is like. And yet here mm-hmm. you are doing it. Exactly. But it's like if I had just given myself the grace, and I think that's that's what it is, isn't it? Like just give yourself the grace to say, you know what, I'm going to give this five and come back. I, I'm i just going to leave this and come back because I think if we had just given ourselves a little bit of love in that time and then come back, yeah. the whole situation could have been so much more different. Mm-hmm. I mean, the moments I'm able to do it, the moments that – I can feel myself getting charged and I tell Everly, I need a break and I walk away. Her ability to recognize what I'm feeling and respond to it is completely different than when I'm forcing something to happen in the interaction. She comes up and she says, mom, are you okay? And she might not always recognize like, I'm not. And you're why that's probably not fair. (laughs) What you're doing is why we'll say, but She's able to see those things because something changed. Mom's leaving. Mom's walking away right now. There's a reason why mom's walking away. It does. It invites the curiosity. You forcing the interaction doesn't do anything but create greater defense between you guys because that's their job Mm -hmm. is to assert themselves as independent beings. So when you walk away, you've removed that tension point that they're kind of their brain is kind of playing with. So then they go, huh, mom left what's happening right now. And they might not get it. Like we said that, you know, different age spans, different kids, different awareness of things, but there's a certain degree of that, that I think if we can just give them a chance to put into practice, the stuff we're trying to teach, instead of forcing them to do it in the moment, the way we want them to, I think we're going to be way more surprised by who they are versus again, what we want them to do. What we want them to do. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I've I've talked about how different Lane and Kelsey are and, and it's one of those things that when Lane is in full overwhelm, he just needs 
the support and the love and that touch, you know, that feeling. And and it's hard right. going into school because I'm like, come on, man, you kind of need, need to grow out of it. But that's what he needs. And if that is yeah. what his need is, I also need to remember that I can't, I can't push his needs to the side because then I'm just teaching him that his needs don't matter. Exactly. Exactly. Because somewhere along the line, I was taught that my needs don't matter. Right. Right. And if you can't kind of recognize again, and that's, that's part of it. I think the other piece too, I know we won't necessarily be able to get into this today, but I think the other piece is realizing a lot of how we are showing up is a response to how people showed up for us before. And so thinking about what, how often are we trying to do this in a way that we are trying to correct what we experienced to kind of give ourselves what we didn't have or give our kids what we wanted to have when we were young, or we are acting in accordance to what happened to us. And I think both of those things are, um, they're just important elements for us to sit with and to really consider, again, your job is to respond to your kids and have the relationship with them that you have. It will be informed by the relationships that you had with your caregivers. It'll be informed by everybody else's opinion on what we should and shouldn't be doing. But the reality is you don't need to execute everything perfectly. You need to trust that you know your kids better than anybody else does. And they just need that one person who knows them that well to listen to them and give them the grace, but also model what it looks like to take it for themselves. Mm. And I think, you know, coming into this season, like this is the crazy season. It's the silly season. It's all the seasons that coming into the Christmas day and all of the extra social events that you have on mm-hmm. and that you feel kind of obliged to go to and all of those things. This is where we need to remember conversations like this. Exactly. Because now more than ever, we are going to be in overdrive. And we need Mm -hmm. to remember this. And because we also want Christmas to be so freaking magical, right? Like make it a perfect. (laughs) So I don't know. I think that's why I really wanted to release this episode today or in this week rather than in February because I think in this time of the year we just need to remember a little grace and a little love and just even because – well, especially for us in Australia, Christmas means New Year, as in means um, mm-hmm. a whole new grade and, you know, all of those things as well. Like everything steps up. So, yeah. Good chat. Yeah, we are always. using a, a term in our household right now called happy accidents. So every time, whether it's like a plan of something we were going to go do and then it was closed or it didn't work out the way we wanted or even, you know, again, using your example of this like specific day that you had planned and it doesn't work out the way we wanted. Everly and I have gotten really excited. So we play the game of investigator and we go look for happy accidents. So what are all the really awesome things that came out of the day going different than we thought it would? And it's been such a cool experience. And again, I'm, we were talking about this before we got on. I've noticed that my shame has gotten really strong lately is in my role as a mom And I'm finding that when we do that, it helps me sort of let it go in the moment where I'm able to go, oh, well, that that was kind of fun. Or like, oh, we got to have this really great conversation. Or you know what? I got to learn that I'm I'm not doing as well talking about some of this stuff 
you know, with maybe other adults, or I'm, I wasn't recognizing X, Y, and Z. That's a happy accident. I learned that today. And I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to that before. I didn't know that before. What a great thing. And so, yeah, maybe if all of us kind of going into the season can just say, what are the happy accidents in each of these moments that don't go the way that we want to? And how can we be curious about them and explore that curiosity with our kids and family, friends, anybody else too, in a way that we can kind of shift that perspective? Mm, Good advice, because I really feel like I personally need that. And then everybody else Mm. will be in the exact same boat, exact same boat. Yeah. It is always amazing to talk to you. I, I truly do love our time. And mm. last time was a Ripper episode as well. Uh, and then my um, my thing stopped working. I know. Uh, it didn't record properly. I don't know what happened. It's still a touchy subject with me. So, I mean, Merry Christmas. Happy, Happy accident. Yeah. We Yeah. Exactly. We got to have a great conversation. Again, yeah. That's exactly right. It comes out what it's supposed to come out, right? That's what we always say. So, yep. Kira, once again... Yep. Thank you so much. I truly, truly do appreciate our time with you. And thanks for being my sister chat today since my sister's gone. Oh, heck yeah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I know. Fiona, next time, the three of us, we're we're coming back on again. (laughs) Exactly. We'll make it happen. Awesome. Bye-bye.